0: Good afternoon, Chico. Welcome to Business Buzz. This is your host, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm here on another wonderful Chico afternoon. It's a little bit rainy, but it's not too bad. And we have a real interesting guest today. He's a repeat guest, and he's going to educate us a lot in a lot of the Northern California things that are happening with the building and the construction business. It's going to be really entertaining. I wanted to touch on a topic that sort of interrelates between two things I've talked about before. And an article that I read, it was actually a video interview I listened to the other day. And what it did is it sort of put together two topics that I've been talking to you guys about. So if you remember, I brought up a subject that I told you to search for $21 trillion skidmore michigan state and that is the google search you can do what it is is a michigan state university economics professor did a study and found that between i believe 1999 and 2015 in the public information of the department of defense and the housing and urban development hud those two departments alone came up with a shortage And missing money on their books of $21 trillion, which amounts to the national debt that we show where we say, well, all of the debt that the U.S. owes is $21 trillion. So I've been saying for a while, hmm, that's very interesting. Then I also had a story that I talked to you about, about a thing that I call in colloquial terms, the plunge protection team. It's got another name that I just can't remember off the top of my head right now. And the Reagan administration invoked this back in 87 after the big 25% down day market crash of October 87. And they called it the President's Group Working Group on Markets or something like that. Now, I have since found out in this video I heard, this video I heard sort of puts these two stories together. One thing I learned in this video that I listened to, and the man who brought this up is named I believe it was a video by a guy named Bill Holter. He's very interesting. One of the things this thing mentioned was that, and I need to look into this because I haven't had, being the middle of tax season and I'm a busy CPA right now, I haven't had a chance to look into this, but this person mentioned that this plunge protection team idea of in working within the markets to prop markets up, he mentioned that it started in 1934, And I didn't know that. So that's something I'm going to research, and I'll try to keep you posted on that when I find out some more about that. So the point of this video interview that this man was saying was this. Oh, I'm sorry. The man who brought this up was named Rob Kirby. He's a Canadian uh, commodities broker-type guy, and he's been on the pulse of precious metals and things for, for years and years. His name's Rob Kirby. He's a good guy to listen to if you go to YouTube. So what he's saying is could the 21 trillion that Mr. Skidmore or Professor Skidmore found in his study at Michigan State University could it be that that 21 trillion missing is the money that is being and has been used for this plunge protection propping up the market when we want to fake market thing that we've seen going on all the time so It's very interesting to me that these two could be very integrated, and my thought is this. If this idea has been around since FDR in 1934, could it be that our entire government for the last 85 years has been manipulating all markets with stolen money since 1934? That would be my question. I will look into that just to study it a little bit, and I'll keep you posted if I find some good articles that directly talk about that. My main concern is that we've all been kind of duped if the money that is supposedly getting spent by the government is actually being taken for other purposes, of which one of them could be keeping stock and bond markets propped up to look healthy when they really aren't. And I'll remind you what I've said before, if inflation is truly, even if it's 2 or 3%, which I bet it's a lot more than that, and we're going to be talking with uh, our guest today about that a little bit too. If inflation is 2 or 3% and a 10-year treasury bond for your investment portfolio offers you right now 2.8% return, what is, what's what's called your real return on that? Well, the way you calculate real return is return, which is 2.8%, minus the inflation rate, which I'm saying would be 2.8% at least, so anybody buying a 10-year treasury bond right now is virtually getting 0% retur- return. Who in their right mind is buying these? And I can tell you that it's not you and me, unless our broker has the right to do it. Uh, it's not you and me. It's probably the central banks around the world colluding to keep the interest rates low by buying each other's bonds. So that's my main theory. And it's sort of an overarching problem that I think we have, I, my main feeling is that, okay, if these guys who are in charge of all this money would guarantee us that they would never let the stock market go down, then maybe we'd be all be okay just buying Facebook and Netflix and living happily ever after. The problem is, if they decide to let it go, it could go within a week or two and it'd be gone. So my feeling is it's not really fair that secret money and hidden money is propping up particular stocks, and we don't know which ones they're going to buy tomorrow. We know which ones they have been buying, and we know which bonds they have been buying, but they're not guaranteeing to continue doing it. That's the main money trap that I've tried to get through to you guys, that you need to watch out and make sure that your particular portfolio is protected from giant downturns, which could come at any time as soon as they don't continue to prop up these fake markets. So... Some people talk about fake news. I talk about fake markets. In the studio today, my guest is Jim McCall. He's a licensed contractor. He's done tons of work all over Northern California. He's not only is he a a real quality builder, he's one of the smartest guys I know, and he's very well read on tons of topics that involve his business directly and not directly his business, but he's very knowledgeable. So we're going to have a really interesting session here. I'm glad you're tuned in. How you doing today, Jim? Oh, I'm doing great, Harold. Thanks. Hey, real good to see you. You know, one of the things we were talking about, and I mentioned about the inflation rate being probably higher than the government admits to us, you have some interesting info lately about the actual costs of construction when you're doing your, your jobs of building homes and remodeling homes. Uh, tell us about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm not a wholesale buyer. A buyer. I uh, buy, of course, uh, on a retail level, but I bought probably 500 to 600 sheets of plywood, all varieties and grades over the last three months, and plywood has gone up 25 to 30% over the last three months. And I don't think it's done yet, and there's lots of uh, contributing factors to this, and number one, I think, is the downturn in 2008, 2009, and 2010. Because the what happened was uh, the mills lost money uh, all during those years, and even in uh, 2011, 2012, it, things weren't robust. So now they're kind of recouping some of those losses,
0: and they and they're able to do that because right now demand is very high.
1: Oh, demand is uh, is good all across the country, and Santa Rosa hasn't even kicked in yet. They're still doing massive amounts of demolition over there. And what's happening is once they start approving contracts, uh, uh, rebuilding contracts over there, the demand in Northern California is going to be frightful. It's just going to
0: blow out the uh, materials available for the rest of Northern California. So now for the average consumer, would it be wise, if they're planning like a remodel for the next year or so, would it be smart if they could get that moving now? I mean, do you expect prices to definitely be shooting up? Is that what you kind of see on the horizon?
1: Oh, I definitely see prices going much higher. Yes, and the availability will just dry up. Some specialty products will not be available. You just won't be able to get them. I remember when the Iraq War ended and they were doing all the rebuilding of Iraq, plywood in in the entire United States got really hard to get and I couldn't get some specialty siding products that I wanted because it was all going to Iraq, <laughs> of all places. It was really odd and the mills weren't doing anything special. They were just doing they were just pumping out you know, millions of, of uh, feet of standard plywood. The basic grades. stuff. Yeah, just to get it overseas right. and it was being shipped out of the United States.
0: Now, in, in a quality remodel like you do, you still do use normal plywood also, or do you always need specialty pieces?
1: Oh, construction here in, in uh, California, because of the seismic issues, you, you're always using uh, standard grade plywoods for shear and not only uh, for seismic, but wind as well. And you have to put plywood on your walls in
0: order to stabilize the building. But you can't go super cheap here in California, right?
1: Well, the codes are the codes. So whatever it is for your area. Now, uh, also in the Sierra, we have snow load issues. So that gets it even more complicated. So it depends on where you're building. But uh, California will always be in. um, They'll
0: they'll uh, always be on the cutting edge of restricting people. Uh, of, it, right? of tightening the codes, <laughs> right, yeah, and making
1: right. it more expensive to do anything,
0: <laughs> right? And that's another leads to
1: another issue is the trucking. Trucking has just been hammered here in California. About four or five years ago, remember the um the trucking industry was being hammered by the new carbon release, right?
0: That that thing where they all had to re- rework their diesel engines. They had to
1: go through some kind of smog control system and measure the carbon output, and it's all very complicated. What happened was the Big companies who could afford to do this, you know, like Roadrunner and, and P.I.E. Uh, and all those guys. Yes, um, uh, Warner. You, you've yeah. seen them up and down the freeway. Right. You know, they've got thousands of tractors and trailers, and they they're able to do it. But uh, the Joe Blow down the street has got five tractors, and he runs from here to Arcata, or, or from here to you know Nevada right. or something. Or whatever, like. yeah, yeah, whatever. He just short runs like that, or even even if they're long haul, he's got. He can't afford to do that. We lost a lot of those guys. Uh, They either went out of business or they moved out of California and they won't come back because it's so expensive to operate here. So what happened was all of our shipping costs in California have gone up quite a bit since then because we don't have any of these little guys who are uh, working around.
0: Bidding a little lower to get the run or whatever. Yeah,
1: they were working around the edges a lot of time. But for a guy like me, it was great. You know, I could get my logs from Oregon. They they come up,
0: you pay them cash and you're done. Yeah,
1: it was, it was much cheaper to do business, and now you got to—they're they're still there, but a lot of them don't want to come to California. Now the next one, the next uh, hit on the horizon for the trucking industry is in California they're requiring a digitized logbook. Oh, great. Oh, it's yeah. just going to be right. onerous for yeah. the, the new carriers, and a lot of the carriers don't even come to California. They don't want to be bothered with uh, having to deal with the DOT. They're just—, just uh, uh, Right, They're they like, just, just want to hammer leave the state again. Yeah. They just hate they hate business the right. way they operate. Right. They just are passing regulations here in California that are just destroying business all over the country. All I've, over
0: the I've noticed that. I'm not sure if it's a leading indicator or a lagging indicator, but I always notice when I'm on I-5, the big difference between diesel gallon and regular unleaded gallon. And lately, regular unleaded now is like two ninety something on the cheaper places on I-5. But the diesel's like three fifty five. So well,
1: well, they keep raising the taxes on it. Okay, and I I understand part of that because trucks hammer right. They beat up the just, road. Right. They just trash anybody who's been over Highway eighty a- after the snowy season. Look at the ruts on the slow lane. It's it, it road work here is, is very expensive, and part of that is, is uh, justified. But on the other side of the coin, they they just uh, diesel's a cheaper cut of fuel
0: right it should be it, 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 it should, should be, be less normally. It be, yeah when
1: right. i first bought my first diesel in 2002 it had been like 5 cents 6 cents a gallon cheaper and uh, i think a, like a month
0: later they it was started taxing or it 30 40 cents more yeah <laughs> right. yeah they started raising taxes on <laughs> diesel i remember during the was it 08 or 09 when the gas prices went sky high Oh, yeah. I know diesel was five yeah. bucks a gallon for a while. Oh, it was
1: terrible. Yeah. It was frightening. I was trying to time my visits to Nevada so I didn't have to pay California taxes right. to uh, try to get fuel.
0: I actually have a magnetic sticker on my water cooler at my office that says, and it's got a picture of like a guy from the 1950s, like a gas guy working at a gas station and it says my country invaded Iraq and all i got was this expensive gas. Oh yeah, i know. We got I mean, nothing. Take, if we're taking over the whole middle east, shouldn't no. we have like 20 cent gasoline? I mean logically. <laughs> yeah, it's beyond my pay grade. I, I
1: I couldn't tell you on that one. I I thought we should have been recomp- you know compensated somehow right. Right. for that. Something.
0: Should, yeah, yeah, that's no, that's a whole other that's a whole other uh, that's a big story. issue. <laughs> right. Now, um we are going to come up on our first break in a little bit, but I wanted to kind of get your feeling about the, what's, I, I'm interested in the pulse of the uh, real estate market right now. You're not a realtor, but you're a builder and you do a lot of additions and, um, you know, large jobs. What do you see as far as demand? What do you see for people calling what they're looking for? What's happening lately?
1: Yes. Uh, anybody who owns property or who wants to buy property, I would definitely encourage them to go ahead and, and acquire uh, a home to live in because now is, uh, an indicator that all of our prices will be going up including property so when housing.
0: plywood starts going up everything's going to probably well follow.
1: that it's indi- an indicator it tells right. us there's a lot of demand out there and that's that's why the
0: the mills can afford to raise their prices great well we'll be right back after the break so stay tuned to business buzz we're going to have some more real good topics for you be right back Canyon Creek Builders Incorporated salutes the men and women in uniform who are standing tall for our freedoms. This message is from Canyon Creek Builders Incorporated. Your bonded, licensed, and insured general contractor for commercial, residential, and industrial construction. Call them at 530-534-4196 and arrange for a free estimate. Better yet, ask to see some of their finished jobs. Because after all the talking clears, the completed project is what counts. Canyon Creek Builders, 101 Braylon Place in Berry Creek. 530-534-4196. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA, talking with Jim McCall. And he's been, you've been building, how long have you been doing your building work? Um? Tell oh, I, us about your story.
1: I was licensed in May of 1987. I'd probably been in the trades maybe five years before that.
0: Right. So you've been doing it for at least the last 30 years as a licensed contractor. Yes. And you used to work in the, the, the wine country or the- Oh, I've country?
1: worked all over Northern California. I've right. been in the Bay Area, started in the Bay Area, and then I uh, worked in uh, Truckee for a number of years and did special projects down in Napa Valley, uh, Salinas, Monterey right. area. I've worked all over Northern California. Right. It's, it's a wonderful place to work.
0: Right and when you when you're like bidding a job i mean how do how does that all go these days with prices changing do you build that in like we were talking about the fact that let's say i want to add a new kitchen or a, a new bathroom how do you bid that do you quote i mean do you get your prices before you give me the bid or how does that work
1: yes uh, the lumber companies will give you a quote for 5 days or two weeks or 30 days, typically.
0: They will go out 30. Oh, yeah. So you're safe yeah. with that. Now,
1: for a while right. there, they weren't. they on certain products, like decking for a while, got real pricey, and they were only quoting out five days because they can't get enough decking here because of the trucking issue. Right. S- surprisingly, and all they got to do is come from a uh, from humble area, but they can't get the trucking over here. And uh, people are outbidding us as well.
0: Now, like with decks, I do know I haven't had to replace a whole deck, but... Aren't people using those artificial, uh, non-wood deck products now? Is that a big deal or? Yeah, composite decking. Yeah, yeah, and it's more expensive, right? Oh yes, very much. Okay, so. but yeah. then it'll kind of last forever. The idea?
1: Well, not really. I don't think it lasts any longer. I, it's just heavier. It's harder to work with. It's it's uh, definitely not
0: strong. So if you take good care of a wooden deck, it'll last a long time if you do it right. Right. Yeah, you you should treat it occasionally. If you treat one, if you treat one or two
1: times, I think the uh, the California Redwood Association will will just about give you a carte blanche uh, quote on twenty year lifespan, unless you're you know splitting wood on it or something like right, that. Right. Right. You
0: know? But okay, so that's not a big deal. So you yeah. don't see the composites taking over the. Oh, wood? Oh yeah, or eventually, eventually, when um, wood gets more expensive, composites are relatively not. So well, they're made rate. out of
1: wood too, and they're also oh. made out of oil products. Ah. All that resin comes out of oil, so it's it's, oh, okay. it's going to. So they're yeah. going to go up too. There's yeah, no, I, I don't think it's ever going to go down.
0: There's no free lunch.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just like solid wood because I, I, I grew up with it. I'm a carpenter, and I think that the uh, composites are just um, they're just not pretty to look at. Right. But they can't. They do have their uses. I'm not going right. to. I'll put it in anybody's. Uh, anybody's deck with whatever they select but right. when i was a, a volunteer fireman in the in the um, uh, humus county area uh, we found that the composite decks were a uh, definite fire hazard because they have well, they a
0: higher because of the oil in them and stuff yeah
1: once that resin catches on fire you cannot put it out in Ooh, fact if you nasty. hit it with a hose it makes they, it worse it'll <laughs> blow the fire all over the all over the fire scene so you have to use foam and uh the fire department has to be ready for it because wow. it's That's it's a, a it's
0: a big blaze once it gets roaring. But I, I when let's just say I come to you and I say I want to add five hundred square feet to my house. Is there a general number if I say I don't want a bunch of fancy, I'd want the normal situation with materials, is there like a per square foot I could sort of think about or is it like no way until we get the actual bid figured out.
1: Boy, it's, uh, it's so subjective. Everybody right. has different experience. All the, all the terrain that
0: you visit here is... No, if you had a flat area right. and no problem with big expensive permits or anything, right. could I'm, I safely say 100 a foot? No,
1: definitely not. Uh, remodeling is, is probably two to three times more expensive okay, than so, new
0: build. Okay, even though it's an addition out to the side of my place, not a remodel.
1: Oh yeah, and like, like you I'm going to add
0: 500 feet with a stucco outside and you know wood floor and carpet.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at one right now where you got to
0: knock. I'm going to pin you down, Jim. You got to <laughs> knock
1: down the walls and right. start tying into the roof because right. you know it's, right. So uh, you uh, don't
0: really know what you're going to get till you yeah. get in there. Yeah, but it's it's could it it's range for, from 100 theoretically? And in, in the perfect well, it world,
1: depends on a lot of homeowners want to do some, and some of them are pretty knowledgeable. They want to do like some of their own interior work, and you just want to get it framed and what they call closed in and the uh, siding on it and the windows hung and he wants to come in and insulate, run his own wire. And he'll or whatever. do the rest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so just that, you, that would
0: be a little easier for you to quote.
1: Oh yeah. And yeah. I think if they want to go, uh, totally finished, if it's just a small, uh, extension into the yard, right. Doesn't take a lot of engineering. Yeah. Right. It, it can be bid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But a hundred foot, no. You're not going to get anything for no, 100 a foot. These I, th- days? I
1: think you should safely go to 200 a foot.
0: Okay, I, I was just curious on a remodel. You know, yeah, I know ten or twenty years ago, I think people threw around 100 a foot, and that was probably reasonable. Oh, that 10 was that or... was
1: well beyond what oh, okay. you needed to spend.
0: So it's that much more expensive now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the fees and the costs have just risen.
1: All of your materials are more expensive
0: now. So. Are the fees lower if someone lives within the city of Chico limit or outside the city, or is it all kind of uh
1: similar well whether you are in the county or the city it doesn't matter you're gonna it's still gonna be a bunch the same of stuff going fees. on yeah. yeah so how you, do
0: they decide those things well the, Does the the city council have to actually vote on all those
1: yeah that's set by the town the uh, city of chico sets prices for um, hooking up to sewer right uh school fees street street fees uh street lighting right all these special uh they call them uh, tax districts that right. they have attached to your
0: property bill. You can yeah. look at it, and they, they, you have to pay for all that stuff. So I've, I've noticed there's certain neighborhoods that don't really have a lot of sidewalks, but you'll see like a little new development of four homes, and there's real nice curbs and sidewalks all around it. Yeah, and They require that, is that right? The city says we'll let you build here, but you have to put in sidewalks too?
1: Yeah, there's different. Uh, here in Chico, it's c- controlled by the... Um, zoning yeah planning. one of those yeah planning and, and they zoning. they tell
0: you oh yeah we need this paved right yeah. so does that have then that guy then has to plan his cost for the sidewalk in addition to cost of building the four houses oh absolutely yeah, yeah he has right. to work
1: it into his fee schedule and you right. know, the, what he's going to charge for the finished product like right. that one over on ninth avenue right that's oh, the kind of neighborhood i've
0: seen those in yeah yeah, yeah. yeah
1: it's very cool they they uh, build uh, uh four i think it's four Nice new homes, and they they have curb gutter, right? A uh, nice uh, uh, paved parking. It's right. it's clean little development. When my
0: yeah. dad used to come and visit me, he was in the Bay Area, and I moved back to Chico, and we drove down Seventh and Ninth back before they had any sidewalks, and he commented, to me, <laughs> he commented to me, Harold, it looks just like McFarland, which which Uh-oh. is where my dad grew up down okay. in Kern County. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they, these
1: infrastructure things are vastly expensive i mean the sewer the sewer alone is is a huge undertaking for a community not to mention stuff like police and fire services
0: your emergency services are another one i mean well it, I, I do income taxes for police and fire and, and trust me i i can see how expensive it must be yeah to, to hire these guys a full-time <laughs> fireman
1: and all his training and oh man right. oh, i mean yeah. they, these are yeah. these are very
0: complicated structures t- for a city to put into place right now paradise I happen to know this in my trivia trivia book. Not a book, but I'm a big trivia fan. Paradise, I believe, is the largest community in the U.S. with no sewage, no sewers. That's what I've heard. Oh, it's all septic. What What's the uh, eleven thousand
1: or population?
0: Up yeah, there? I think it's you know I think it's maybe more than that. I think it's twenty something because uh-huh. that plus Megalia is like forty, uh-huh. and Megalia is fifteen or eighteen. Yeah. I, I think it's over twenty.
1: That could be because yeah. the, the, uh, the geology up there is impossible. They have right. no
0: way to deal with this stuff. I've heard it, that there's whole places that all, are almost going to have to be abandoned because there's no more space for septic except a $30,000 complete redo that people can't afford to do. I mean, it's kind of a mess up there. Yeah. The, uh, the property values just aren't there. I, right. I, I mean, if you were talking about... Right. if uh, it was a million-dollar home like uh, yeah, Fremont or something, or, or, you or, could do or, uh, it. What's this Chico Creek up here? Oh, yeah, the uh, like near the golf course? Yeah, what what's that? Creek Canyon, that's yeah, the other yeah, one. Yeah, up that direction, yeah. Canyon the, Oaks. Canyon Oaks, oh, yeah. yeah. All
1: that area up in there is all uh, hard cap as well. Don't you have to blast when you want to build a swimming pool? Oh, they have massive, uh, yeah, they do some pot, black powder stuff, but they also have these massive uh, drills that are like 10 feet in diameter and they have diamond blades, uh, diamond teeth on them, and they grind their way through the lava cap.
0: No wonder it costs so much to build a home up there.
1: Oh, uh, up there on Dome Mill and above uh, Highway 32, Yosemite going up that direction. Yeah, it's vastly expensive to get that in there. Wow. That's why the lots are so small. You've got a 3,000-square-foot lot and a 2,500-square-foot home. It's
0: expensive to do this. Well, we're at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned to Business Buzz, Harold Littlejohn CPA talking with Jim McCall. We'll be right back.
1: Hi, this is James McDonald from Walk in the Word. Hey, it's always great to hear that a new station partner has come on board. If you've heard our broadcast, then you know I'm passionate about sharing the truth of God's Word. To get fired up about your relationship with Christ, join me each weekday on Walk in the Word. And be sure to check out all the resources available to help you grow strong in the Lord. Just go to our website, walkintheword.com. Join us for Walk in the Word, weeknights at 6 p.m. here on KKXX. Hello, I'm Gary Crossland. Everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. Everything in the epistles points backward to Jesus. That's why I encourage people to read the words of Jesus every day. This is where emotional and spiritual health come from. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Well, where do you read his commandments? But in the Gospels. Now I know that it's easy to get a little confused when jumping between one Gospel and the next, which is why I wrote the merged Gospels. It's where all four Gospels are literally translated from the Greek, broken down word by word, and merged back together into one beautiful chronological story with not one word of scripture removed. You can't buy it in stores. It's available only online at mergedgospels.com. It's great for new believers, for personal devotions, and for group studies. There's also an audiobook. And as always, you get to name the price. Just go to mergedgospels.com. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood?
0: Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? or is the best time perhaps today during a disaster you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today
1: don't wait communicate brought to you by fema and the ad council
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn CPA. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm talking with Jim McCall, a licensed contractor, all kinds of great history. He's going to talk a little bit about what he used to do when he got out of college before he became a contractor. Tell us about that, Jim. Well, I, I had
1: been in the Teamsters, and um, it paid for my education. And I thought, well, shoot, I don't see anything else on the horizon just now, so I'll drive for a couple more years and see how it goes. And truck I was, driving, right? Yeah, driving, truck. Not all Uber the, driving. No. <laughs> yeah. No, Uber, Uber was a ways off yet. But uh, the the uh, trucking industry was alive and thriving in the Bay Area at that time, and um, we would be sent uh, over the road uh, to um, oh places like Arcata to get lumber and uh, down to Fresno with a load of tires, you know, Firestone in Fresno. Right, up and I'd down be, the I-5. Yeah, I was up and down Highway 5 yeah. and 99 and, and uh, just shagging freight or dri- drifting right. Did you get
0: paid hourly, or did you own your own truck back In
1: those the days, I was paid hourly, but I hung around with a lot of guys in the truck stop. You know, you stop and get fuel. Right, and, you're always talking to and guys, and you and, yeah. hear people talk about you know where they came from, Utah or someplace out in the out in the hinterland. You know, coming into the Bay Area. Right. So a lot of a lot of states allow triples. So, oh, uh, right.
0: I remember that. But you have to decouple when you get to California. Yeah, you get
1: to Reno. Uh, Reno has a, a lot of large trucking. Yellow is huge, has a huge barn in Reno. And they, right. uh, the triples come in um, on uh, 80 from, or Highway 5? What's Yeah, 80 from yeah. Uh, back east. Yeah. And they break up in. Uh, in Reno. So when they're, they're in s- California, they, yeah, they only they,
0: have two they trailers. Haul in their doubles. Yeah. It's interesting. My dad was a tax guy, so I grew up with it. And he was doing it in the 1950s. And I believe before I started, which was 1980, there was actually an inventory tax in California. So a business would not only have property tax on their equipment and income tax on their earnings, they would also have a tax rate on their inventory every year.
1: Well, the businesses here have to go through that. I'm in the in the lumberyard constantly, and they're counting everything on the well, shelves. Well, no, they
0: need to do inventory, but what yeah. I'm saying is, they actually used to charge a percentage. They would say, "Okay, whatever your inventory is, you're going to pay one percent of that in an inventory tax." Yeah. My point is, is that Nevada was smart enough, like 60 years ago, to not have that, and that's one of the reasons why Reno and Sparks have so many warehouses.
1: Right. They yeah. left California. California is famous for shooting itself between the eyes and they've been doing it for they have a long history of messing up businesses oh it's just it, it's <laughs> frightening the way uh, the different business classes have been leaving the state just one after the other it's, right they just don't like business in in sacramento they want to drive out particularly carbon-based businesses like
0: right truck that, driving you know and then as a truck driver you earned an hourly rate back then but these days, you were saying that there's a new thing where they have to get a digital logbook going? I mean.
1: Yeah, California requires a digital logbook. Oh,
0: California, log- it's not a federal thing? No, no. Oh, a lot boy. of the
1: drivers do not want to come here because it keeps uh, absolute Nats' rear end track of your hours driving, and you can only drive 10 hours a day, I think it is. And California, and. You can't make any money doing that. The drivers have to drive more than 10 hours a day or whatever it is. I'm not really sure exactly.
0: Right. You're not an actually, I, I you're, think This isn't your business right now. No. But I, you I, have haven't, heard of, I had never heard of that. That's yeah, why I was I don't, curious. I don't
1: drive anymore. It's been no. years since I've been in a truck. No. But the uh, uh, digital blog book also keeps track of the fuel usage, too. I, I, there's a lot of different things attached to it that are really scary when you think right. about it. Because o- onerous, you know. Totally uh, uh, controlling of uh, these uh, carriers, right.
0: owner-operator types, yeah. are just being hammered by this. It's kind of like I remember 15 or 20 years ago before it became commonplace for employers to track employees everywhere, I remember the UPS driver telling me he couldn't stay to talk or he couldn't use my restroom or whatever because they are watching him with the radar on his truck and he can only spend you know, one minute delivering a package here and he has to keep moving.
1: Yeah, you know, they have ways to control.
0: Nowadays they are track I heard that um I think it's Amazon now has smart watches on all of their employees and they can track everywhere they go and how long they spend in the restroom and the whole Yeah, this. it's
1: it's it's really uh, not a a job <laughs> scene that I I don't I couldn't do it now. <laughs> I'm
0: glad I'm not I, I, out looking for work. Yeah, It this would is, be so frustrating. I would not be able to do it, yeah. <laughs> you you know, have to have a younger mind,
1: able to l- allow somebody to control you like that, I guess, because it's,
0: it's... It's incredible. Speaking of, speaking of the digital log, real quickly, I have a client who is an anesthesiologist, and uh, he just retired recently, and I got to talking, and I always thought, well, when I would see this W-2 and it had, you know, almost $400,000 of earnings... I never felt bad for this person because they're making such a lot of money. It turns out that ever since the 2014 Digital Medical Record Act, which I is national, every day this person would have to work all day anesthesia excuse me, anesthesiology, you have to sit there right with your patient. You can't leave and she was saying you couldn't even they couldn't even go to the bathroom if they had to. But after work they would get home and by 7 or 8 o'clock they would get the email with tomorrow's patients listed, and they would have to spend hours every night prepping for these tomorrow's patients with all these records, and the program keeps track of how long they spent. So in other words, if the next day somebody died while they were the anesthesiologist, they would be able to go back and say, oh, you only spent 10 minutes on that file. So basically, this person who wasn't that old just decided I got to retire because it's killing me to do this work.
1: It's it's um, oh, 1984. It's it's at its <laughs> finest because these these requirements are just driving people out of the medical industry. Right, there's a shortage of doctors now. Right. in many different communities. I remember I was in Colorado a few years back and they were looking for a doctor. They couldn't get a doctor right in their community, and it's just becoming uh, uh, so much more difficult than. Uh, than it ever was because you really have no freedom to operate your business. And uh, that has to be regulated. I'm I'm not against all regulation, but what happens is they're trying to control every last minute or every last atom of carbon. Uh, In in the case of the truckers, they had to adapt their vehicles to the new carbon uh, emission regulations, and you cannot capture every last molecule of diesel or or uh, escape right. carbon it's right. just not going
0: it's not possible well, what happened what I, isn't it true that diesel exhaust is not uh, fatal like regular gas exhaust? no no it's soot yeah. it's like
1: it's like soot yeah. from your fireplace yeah. that's it's very benign in terms right. of a pollutant right and it's not harmful to the environment it looks bad i know i know <laughs> right. i can hear yeah. people out <laughs> right. smoking down the highway and it's just <laughs> yeah. soot and sometimes it is raw diesel. It can be bad. But again, it's an environmental product. It did come out of the ground. Diesel is not a toxic waste. I mean, it, it can be if it's spilled. I'm not right. saying that it can't be a danger. Right. But it right. is uh, improperly uh, controlled and used as we do. It's it's a wonderful fuel. And everything in California moves by truck. You cannot move anything. And then the railroad, you, people say, we'll use a railroad. Well, when was the ra- last time anyone saw a freight train stop in Chico right, and so deliver you, anything.
0: No, it, it's miles. You have to offload it from the train to a truck. That's yeah, just the it's, way it's work. going
1: down to Gridley or wherever it is, and it has to be unloaded, and it goes onto a truck. Right. And it has to be carried by a diesel rig somewhere along the line, usually 10 or 10, 12 times before it gets to the end user. Well, the trains run on diesel too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And they, they do emit soot, and they're right. not going to, you're not going to capture every last pollutant. It just isn't, uh, right. isn't possible. And CO2 is, of course, burned. But what happens is if you require truckers to carry these expensive improvements in their fuel systems, you don't think those parts cost a lot of mining uh, for new metals and and trace elements to make
0: them right they I mean, use these, platinum palladium oh all these uh, what stuff. do they call
1: that these rare earth right. elements I mean these are vastly expensive and they require uh, cubic miles of earth to be dug up to find them you, that takes a lot of carbon. And produces a lot of carbon dioxide right. in the atmosphere. I mean, the, the unintended consequences of this
0: stuff is just
1: ongoing for all of us, and it right. never, never lowers prices.
0: It's almost like when you think about all this, it makes sense why things are just so expensive. I mean, you know,
1: yeah, regulation is like it's like a, a gorilla on top of a a, a, a hiker. Right. The regulation becomes so burdensome and so heavy and so onerous that the the hiker puts it down and he leaves right. the state. I mean, if you've got a, tr-
0: a truck driver, you know that can clear maybe from working hard, you know, it clears maybe thirty or forty thousand $40, dollars with all these repair and fuel costs they have. They don't get rich. And insurance drive yeah. one truck, yeah, and all the insurance. Yeah, uh, there's just no way he can afford to refit his truck for well, they, a fifty thousand dollar upgrade.
1: Yeah, the truck, the whole rig isn't worth that. Yeah, know? so it, yeah. it is very difficult. You probably know more truck drivers than I do. I don't know what they're making. Well, but.
0: all I know is that they work their tails off, and they really, none of them net that much money. They no, it's it's you know. very marginal. It's like buying yourself a job. Buy a truck yeah. and go out and make, you know, hopefully make, you know, 30 or 40 grand a year, but they just don't, they can't make that much.
1: Yeah, no. the money is not there, yeah. and that's why a lot of the um, uh, the immigrants have gone to uh, trucking, uh, particularly a lot of the Asians Right are... Uh, fitting well, that well, the, because it's an it's an entry-level position for yeah, them but thank
0: and, thank god we've got jerry brown's bullet train coming we don't need any other mode of transportation oh, the bullet train what a disaster <laughs> you it's saw a, the one in washington it went off the track the first day it ran did you see that oh one? Yeah. yeah i mean
1: the, these things are just pie in the sky yeah. they're dreams they'll never work well yeah. and who in, on earth is going to be able to use it out there in merced yeah. the Merced to Bakersfield is what they're trying to do. Who who goes from Merced to Bakersfield? And the stations are, what, 15 miles out of town?
0: Yeah, Maybe they can it's, pile the trucks on top of the train. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> up and down I-5. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I don't know who thinks a 300-mile-an-hour train is going to sound, what that's going to sound like going by you.
0: Oh, that's right. If it's you were on the ground, be that'd noisy. be yeah. Oh,
1: I mean, the freeway's bad enough, but you put a 300-mile or 110-mile-an-hour, I don't care what you're talking about it's a it's a really noisy proposition but um and impossibly to make any money
0: well uh, we're going to be coming up on a break pretty soon i happen to notice that i got a hold of uh, a fare from sacramento to southern california on southwest for 29 bucks now, i don't know how you're going to beat that with a bullet train yeah <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> i think the airlines are gonna uh, do their best to to drive this thing under the waves i am hoping anyway. yeah i needed-
0: It's just ridiculous. Well, we'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. We'll be back for more. Glad you're here.
1: astronaut Bob the Drop here. There's been a lot of talk about water found on Mars.
0: Why would you go all the way to Mars for water when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta? It comes from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great landing, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that?
1: Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple,
0: naturally the best, Mount Shasta spring water. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore, so you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today, so it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ed Council. Hello, it's me, the
1: designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday Fundays left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference.
0: Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. We got the last bit of the hour here. We're talking California business and boy, isn't it fun? (laughs) This time of year, I'm doing income taxes and then I always love having to do the property tax statement where we have to fill out all the value of the non-vehicle personal property for the businesses. So if you're in business, don't forget that you have to list the price of all your computers and all your work tools and pay the county 1% of that every year, 1% of the value. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Sorry, Just bought all
1: the scaffolding. (laughs) Oh, no, what am I going to do? Okay, well, let let me ask you a question. What is the value of the home office now to an entrepreneur like
0: us? Here's the deal. The home office is still a good thing for self-employed people because it's still a legitimate deduction if it's your principal place of business. What went away in the 2018 tax law is any business expense unreimbursed for an employee. So in other words, if you're getting paid wages, even if you have to use a home office, that is no longer a deduction. But for self-employed people, it's still going to help because... Here's the real trick to self-employed. Let's just say your net income's $100,000, but you can knock say 5,000 off with the home office deduction percentage mm. against that 100. That 100 is not only getting the regular tax rate, which is now lower with the new law, but it's still probably 22 or 24% for most people, but it also gets the most onerous tax, which is the self-employment tax. Yeah. Social yeah. security plus Medicare. That's yeah. You're 15%. not going to beat that one. Yeah. Right. So when you look at a guy that only makes one hundred thousand, his his tax bracket could be twenty two percent federal. Nine, uh, say eight percent state if his wife has a wage job, that's 30. And then you add 15 percent as the social security rate. Even nowadays, you're paying forty five percent of your net. So the home office is still a real good thing. The problem is qualifying for it. Contractors are perfect to qualify for it because it's your principal place of business. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I use big chunks of my property. To oh yeah. Get it done. Yeah. You know? And and the other mistake people make is if you have a separate outbuilding that's all business, that's not part of the home office. That's oh, that's fully so you, business. Okay. See. So and you, you can allocate things to that, but it's fully business. The only thing you deal with home office is the actual office room. Inside your dwelling place. Okay. Yeah. So it conditions. It's All yeah. right.
1: Well, what about the uh, subcontractor situation? Though, for anybody who's hiring uh, uh, other people to help them complete a, a task that's yeah.
0: less than a year. Right. For instance, the way it, the, main, the main overriding rule is, unless they're specifically not an employee, they are an employee. But if they're another licensed contractor, you can assume they're not your employee. They will be a sub. And if they're not incorporated, you'll issue a 1099. The problem is if you go to hire someone that isn't licensed, then you really need to set him up on payroll. So the real cost problem for small people like a small contractor is I want to hire somebody, but... I have to do all the payroll returns and all the payroll processing when I hire one guy. So that that's really the the bugaboo for for small contractors.
1: Oh, it's a, it's a tremendous burden because the, right. the, the setting up the policy itself is close to eight thousand dollars. The well, last the, time the, I now you're to. talking
0: workers comp worker's on comp, your yeah. on your employee. That's why right. that's why it's so important for the young guys to get that work done and get their contractors license. Right. So people can hire them without headaches. Right. Yeah. I've yeah. had a lot of clients that have just been in that conundrum, and if they've got enough business, they can hire two or three people, but that's hard to do in a seasonal or a, an up-and-down business, right? Like, everybody found out in 08 in how bad it was to try to keep people employed Ooh. in a down economy. Yeah, well,
1: I, I went through that. I had to let everybody go. Right. And it happened, like, quick. It right. Was it was within, within a,
0: a month or two, things just dropped off, right? Within a week. Wow. I,
1: I looked around about the time the election was happening, go, oh... I don't think I'm going to make it through the year. And which area were you in in 08? At that time, we were in Gray Eagle. Oh, okay. We were building there, and uh, we were having a great time, and I thought I was okay. And uh, I looked around in uh, October, and oh, I'm out of money
0: and everything just stopped no and it just the phone stopped ringing and nothing
1: i couldn't find anything i was working down in the bay area again for guys i'd known 10 years ago right i mean it was a very difficult time they were
0: probably laying off also oh they
1: didn't have much and the only reason i got to work is because i was licensed and was still carrying my own insurances so at that time I they they could
0: hire you real easily yeah but i had to
1: cut my prices i i was throwing out papers that we just moved recently i was throwing out some old uh, 1040s from 1990s and i was making more money then.
0: right than in the 08 yeah and
1: that's that, not right. even uh, including um uh, inflation yeah. so it was yeah. it was a tough time it was very yeah. difficult to recover from so i understand totally when the lumber mills and the plywood factory is up in roseburg and you know up north want to raise prices to try to recover
0: because they they've been right. losing they went through a. Su- they suffered a lot
1: yeah they've lost a lot of money you know They're making money now, but it doesn't always uh, make up for your losses. So somehow prices have to increase, particularly when there's demand. I mean, yeah. hey, if they're not going to sell it here, they'll sell overseas because there are still lots of areas of, of the east that are buying all of our product that we could sell. You mean
0: the, like the far east? Yeah, China. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they so they're will, always building, right? Right.
1: They always are, are short on lumber. So. Yeah a lot of it can go over there and they remanufacture and send it
0: back and i i read an article and it was interesting all of these they call them ghost cities and what what it sounds like to me is the chinese are so f- much more forward thinking than we are as a culture that they actually built those knowing they would be empty but they utilized kept the kept the employment up i mean i don't know all the details but according to what i read it's actually part of their plan to have already built all that infrastructure for the future, when they might have like had unemployment had they not done that. That's what I heard. Yeah, I know. I I, I saw. I, I don't saw. think they're stupid when they spend all that money. Why you?
1: I don't know about this. They're taking money out of their uh, people's pockets and putting it into vastly expensive projects, covering blocks and blocks and blocks of high-end development, multi-high-rise buildings. And those buildings aren't feeding anybody. That's money empty? right out of the economy, and they're well, mostly empty. From what could, I uh, could, this be
0: like graft and corruption, like some. Well, they, are the money?
1: Chinese are uh, well. That could be. You know they they could be uh, um, high up in the uh, government, and they have ends with the powers that be, and they get these massive contracts. I mean, it, after all, it is a an, an ol- a communist oligarchy. Right. And very few people run that massive economy. And they can decide what to do, and right. which way they're going to go. Well, and, if, and
0: maybe it's not what I read, because you know what you read is always one viewpoint, and there's yeah, a lot and they uh,
1: if you look at the population demographics, their population growth is slowing down, so they may not need all that for a long time. In the meantime, you spent a lot. You you're not getting anything for your investment. Nothing's coming back into
0: your economy. And that that's another problem. My whole overarching problem I see with all these last ten years and the low interest. Is that somewhere along the line, this money printing and the money supply going up is going to cause big inflation. And we've yeah. seen inflation, but it's been, you know, housing's up, but uh, gold and silver aren't. Uh, food prices, commodity corn and wheat, they aren't that high. They're high, but they're not skyrocketing. So well, there uh, seems just, to be I'm, enough. We're, we're well fed well I mean, yeah we, you look at this country and yeah. we have
1: a lot of food, and yeah, there is starvation here or there, but you wonder if it's just a matter right. of personal it, and we and we take for it, granted it
0: can, we walk into Safeway and buy whatever we want, but in some places yeah. in the world, you can't find groceries, yeah, Venezuela has trouble
1: oh, well, look at their their status communist government i mean the no one can get anything done there, nobody works, nobody will pay them right i mean their their economy is in in the toilet, and they have what, the fourth largest oil reserves in the world? Right. They and they can't wealthy. make any money? Right. They, they should be right. living high on the hog, and hmm. their whole government is just going into the sewer, and it's not going to get any better. There's probably going to be a revolution down there fairly soon. Yeah, because well, You know,
0: dictators are dictators, but personally I remember hearing some of the speeches from Hugo Chavez, and I think for, the, I believe, and this is my opinion, I'm not an expert, for the Venezuelans I think he was a lot better than this dude they've got in now, this Maduro guy. Yeah, Maduro's very tough, and he's holding the
1: line, and he's not giving an inch, and people are starving because nothing is being, that's what happens with a a socialist, communist government. Eventually, nothing gets done, and that's why this uh, Trump was such an interesting development here in our country because anyone who looks at the government up until that election, nothing was getting done. The government was slowly grinding and with increasing speed to We were giving away
0: our plutonium. That got done,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where'd that money go? <laughs> yeah. Tell me where that went. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. A, a regulated, a, a highly regulated society will never succeed over time. It'll just collapse of its own weight. Right. Nothing get will will get done.
0: Now, when Trump started it, you're, you you do you follow the politics. Oh sort yeah. Of? Okay, oh sure with yeah. taxis and I can't keep up oh it's very fun yeah he used to, didn't he come in and say for every new regulation we're going to get rid of two or three old ones and he's been doing Is that. he's still doing that's
1: that that's why things are going the way they're going because he's taking some of the burden off off of the uh, industry here like like steel and he's protecting steel. Steel needs to be protected because the Do Chinese— Do still have
0: steel mills? I thought, like, Bethlehem Steel was a big bankruptcy. Well,
1: there's a lot of independent—smaller steel smaller independent steels, and I think it's called uh, CHS now or something. Uh, yeah. Well, I U.S. Can't... Steel's still around, right? Yeah, U.S. Steel, yeah. yeah. They're still—they're being protected because the Chinese were—, were uh, f- Dumping, f- right. Dumping in the market. I mean, they weren't just 2 3% like the uh, uh, newspapers tell us. It's They were dumping probably closer to 20% on the right. U.S. market through other other markets. Well, dumping thanks
0: to it. our free trade agreements over the last 35 years.
1: Yeah, they, they've just been allowed to uh, kick us around the block and sell us whatever they wanted to sell us. And now I think Trump is intervening here. And like he said, he's making better deals for the nation at large. And these tariff things can blow up in your face, but I think he's got a grip on it. He'll be able to control it. Well now, I mean, you, what we were, what choice do we have on that?
0: We were talking about the lumber prices and then you mentioned Canadian lumber they were dumping also. Oh back? yeah,
1: Canadian lumber. Yeah, what do they got up there but trees. Right. So they were dumping lumber here in the United States and um uh there was a tariff from last year. I think it was about this time last but year. But doesn't
0: NAFTA disallow tariffs or does it allow some, do you know? Why well, you got me there. Yeah, I'm I don't not, know. I'm, I'm, not an I'm not up on, that. on no,
1: NAFTA, just... but um in it, the Canadians um uh Got the tariff, and they're still selling here. Right. I mean, they still right. pay the tariff. But uh, the, some of the mills here in the United States were able to raise their prices, Then and it probably saved them.
0: Well, so. I remember in the 80s it was a big deal because the NAFTA vote was all over the news. It was live on the radio, and I was very political back then. And the one thing I remember the most about NAFTA that people are not aware of is, after NAFTA, when people like Ford Motor Company moved a plant from the Midwest down to Mexico— it turns out that they wouldn't have done that except NAFTA has a provision that if the Mexican government were ever to repatriate the Ford factory in Mexico, the American taxpayer would pay them back. Yeah. So it was a guarantee backstopped by the hardworking American as usual yeah. that they would never lose a dime by moving to Mexico. So they not only get to take our jobs from the U.S. to a foreign country, but they get backstopped by the people who they took the jobs away from in case they lose their factory. Yeah, well, How's how do, that for a win-win? Yeah, how does Ford <laughs> lose?
1: Well, the, the um, I, I think this new sea change in the government that we have now, he's um, stopping a lot of this r- really poor decision-making well, from elites
0: I, who have no right. idea what it takes to run a business. And there's still so many layers of what's really going on between what we see and hear currently. We might find out six months later what's going on, but... We don't get to see it all in motion, so it's hard to judge what's happening right now. But you know, yeah. at
1: our level, it just looks like chaos to me. Right. But uh, the effects of the decisions over the last year have made the economy much stronger. I see it in my business all over Chico. People have more confidence; they're willing to spend money. They want to improve their their living situation, and they're getting
0: tax cuts. And they finally. are getting tax cuts. <laughs> I
1: mean, so whatever whatever you think is happening at the uh, highest levels of the land, it appears to be filtering down, trickling down. I'll use that yeah, term. trickle-down economy. To, to, so that's that's all economy. All well, yeah, economy is trickling down. I,
0: when I see the basic guy getting 200 more a month in his pocket due to the lower tax rate in 2018, I say that cannot be bad for the local economy. No, the no more money what. we
1: get to keep, and keep away from the government, the better off we're yeah,
0: going to be. That's right. Well, thank, we're coming up on our final break here, so... Thanks for joining us. Uh, Jim, I know you're not really looking for new business because you can't even keep up with your phone calls right now, I bet.
1: Yeah, it's pretty busy. I try to get I get, try to get in touch with everyone. Right. But it may take if, a couple days. If
0: you ever need a good contractor, look up James McCall. What's that email?
1: James McCall,
0: 1952, at Gmail. Right. If you ever need a good contractor, contact him. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. See you next time on Business Buzz. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow where we'll interview the gubernatorial candidate, John Cox, here on Business Buzz. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in
1: Washington. The White House has joined with its European allies in expelling 60 Russian diplomats in retaliation for the poisoning of ex-Russian spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia. The order includes 48 people stationed at the Russian embassy in Washington as well as 12 connected to